Well, good evening, everybody. Good to be with you. Good to sing God's praises with you all and to study God's Word for just a, a few minutes with you this evening. I appreciate the invitation to come. I know I'm a bit boring. I don't have Josh's flamboyant uh, you know, attire, his wild shirts and ties, but uh, just bear with me and we'll get through this, perhaps. Now look at the book of Galatians, uh, kind of for our home base here. Galatians chapter 2, and the Apostle Paul's the author, of course, and, and Paul is defending his position as an apostle because it seems that some of the Christians in the churches of Galatia, they just weren't sure if Paul was really an apostle or not, or if he was really to the status of Peter or John or some of the other apostles. You know, Paul was a latecomer to the gospel of Christ. He, uh, he didn't walk with Jesus while Christ was on earth like the, the other apostles did. He was one born out of due season or out of due time, as he himself says. And it seems that people kind of had trouble accepting Paul's authority sometimes. And, and so... Uh, he starts out in chapter 1 and, and verse um, 11 and 12 there telling them that the gospel that he had, it, it was not man's gospel. He wasn't taught it by anybody. He got it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Paul didn't go to some seminary and learn about the gospel. He didn't go get schooled by the other apostles to, to learn what he should teach. It, it was revealed to him directly from God. And then in the rest of chapter 1 and going into chapter 2, he, he recounts his, the years after his conversion to, to basically lay out that he just didn't hardly have any contact with the other apostles. He, he really didn't have any opportunity to learn what he knew about the gospel from any of the other apostles because he, he was out and about in various places and he spent very little time in Jerusalem where the other apostles were, uh, but just a few days. But we get down to verse 11 of Galatians chapter 2. And then he says, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? And there in verse 11, Paul says, I opposed him to the face. I withstood him to his face in the King James Version. This, this encounter between Paul and Simon Peter, a.k.a. Cephas. Very, very interesting uh, you know, to see conflict between these two perhaps. And, and we want to think about that just a little bit for a few minutes. Paul says, I opposed him to his face because... 
the King James Version says, because he was to be blamed. Or, English Standard Version, he stood condemned. Peter stood condemned before God by something that Peter was doing. Uh, as Paul goes on to say there in the following verses, that Peter's actions were not in step with the gospel, or he wasn't walking uprightly according to the gospel. Now, point number one we can get from this is, is just the fact that sin is possible for anybody. Sin is possible even for an apostle of Jesus Christ. We're all capable of sinning. You know, we, we make choices every day, multiple times a day perhaps, on, on, on whether things are right or wrong and whether we ought to do this or do that. And, and uh, preachers are not above making mistakes. And elders are not above making mistakes. And apostles are not above making mistakes. And in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12, Paul says, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Now, we've all got to be on guard from day to day. We need to think and make conscious choices about how we live and how we think and what we say and the example we set before others because it doesn't matter who we are we we just have to be on guard we need to take heed lest we fall or as Paul himself says in 1 Corinthians 9 he uh, uses the, the analogy of running in a race and how you have to have discipline and self-control to win the race. And he says of himself that, that he, in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 9, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. You know, he, he's, give, he's seriously endeavoring in his own Christianity. He says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul could sin and be lost for eternity, and Peter could sin and stand condemned before God. Well, what was it? What was Peter's sin that Paul confronts him on? Well, it's, it's hypocrisy. Or it's dissimulation is another word for that. He, uh, he tells them here that uh, before, in verse 12, before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. Uh, Peter was, you know, was associating with the Gentile Christians, being a Jew. He, he was sharing meals with them. They, they were having a social life together. And when some of the Jewish Christians come up from, from Jerusalem then, it says he drew back. He separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. P Peter's being a hypocrite. Peter's not living up to his lofty teaching. The word hypocrite comes from a Greek word that's spelled almost the same way. And it means an actor. A hypocrite's an actor. You know, sometimes we, we see these uh, faces as a symbol for drama. You got the smiley face and the sad place. And that, that goes back to the ancient Greek-Roman world that they would, you know, they didn't have movies like we do, but they, they would do dramas. They would have outdoor plays. They'd have these big amphitheaters, and, and the actors would get on stage, 
and they would act these parts out. And, and they might, you know, because it, maybe it was hard to see and maybe it was a little hard to hear because they didn't have sound systems like we do, then, then they would hold these masks up to convey the emotion or the attitude of the character that they were portraying. And, and so a hypocrite's just an actor. And we, we know what actors are. You know, we, we go to the movie theater, we turn on the TV, and, and we see uh, uh, Ben Affleck as Batman, or Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, or, you know, this, this star or that star playing Indiana Jones, or James Bond, or somebody. And, and that's not who they really are. That's just an act that they're putting on. Their character, their personality may be totally different from the role that they're playing. Well, that's what a hypocrite is. That we're playing a role, we're playing a part. Peter's sin just kind of comes down to racism, really. Peter was worried about how his Jewish friends were going to think of him when he, they saw him interacting with these Gentile Christians. And, and that, that bothered him. Peter succumbs to some peer pressure. And we think about Peter's life, we think about when Jesus was arrested and put on trial and how Peter wanted to kind of follow and, and, and see from afar what was going on. And, and various people walk up to Peter and says, well, you were with Jesus. Yeah, you're, you're a Galilean. We can tell by the way you talk. You must have been one of him. And, and Peter emphatically denies, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the man. He even curses and swears to distance himself from Jesus. You know, Peter seems rather susceptible to peer pressure. What other people think about him. And that's on display here. Now we know later on in this book, in Galatians chapter 3, that Paul points out that God isn't concerned with who or what we are in those terms. He says in chapter 3, verse 27, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. If you're all one in Christ Jesus, and if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. We're all one in Christ. God doesn't care if we're men or women or old or young or rich or poor or enslaved, or free, or what color, what shade our skin might be. We're all human beings with eternal souls. And when Jesus sends the apostles out to preach, when he gives what we call oftentimes the Great Commission, Mark 16, verse 16, he said to them, Go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. The gospel is not just for the Jews. It's not just for white people. It's not just for one gender. It's for all creation, every creature. And, and Peter, you, you would think that, that Peter would realize that at this point because of some of the experiences that we see him have. But, but why did Peter sin? Well, Paul says it's because he feared the circumcision party. He feared these Jews who had become Christians and what they might think about him. And, and of all people, 
You know, Peter was the one that God sent to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. The Roman centurion. Peter was the one that, that in order to make, the, to make him understand that God wasn't concerned with racial background, he, he gave Peter that vision three times of, of the animals descending in the, in the great sheet and, and saying, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's, oh no, I've never eaten anything that's unclean. And God tells him, what I have cleansed, don't, don't call that unclean. And, and then Peter goes ahead to the household of Cornelius and, and preaches to him and baptizes them into Christ. And then in Acts chapter 11, when he gets back to Jerusalem, in verse 2, when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. And Peter has to explain to them that God has now accepted them and given them repentance unto life. They, they challenge him there about, You went and talked to these Gentiles. And then you go over to Acts chapter 15. And you have this whole controversy over circumcision that arises and Paul and Barnabas have to go down to Jerusalem and, and, and talk to the apostles and the elders there. And Peter is the one who makes this statement in Acts 15 verse 7. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as He did to us. And He made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Peter explains to them that there's no distinction between Jews and Gentiles. Everybody has the same access on the same terms to God. And then Peter doesn't live up to his own preaching when we get to Galatians chapter 2. And again, that's something that's very easy. It's, it, it, you know, it, it, we, we can know what God's Word says... But to live up to it on a continual basis, that's a different matter, isn't it? And it's hard sometimes. And we, we stumble and we make mistakes. And Peter made a mistake. And, and Paul realizes that Peter made a mistake. And, and what does Paul do then? Do, Paul does not say to himself, Well, I'll just let God straighten this situation out. I'll just put it in his hands. I just won't get involved in this. It's none of my business. Well, he didn't say that. And, or Paul didn't say, well, Peter's been in the church a lot longer than I have. You know, I, I better mind my own business. I, I better not make any waves because he, he's somebody of renown and, and he's been a Christian way longer than I have. Paul didn't do that. And Paul didn't say, well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. For, for the sake of keeping the peace, I'll, I'll just be quiet. We'll we just, we just live and let live here. We'll, we'll just let that go. And, and Paul did not say, well, Jesus told us not to judge. You know, judge not that you be not judged, Matthew 7. So I, I better not be judging. You know, that, that is the 
most baseless thing that is believed by the most people in the world that Jesus wants us to never judge any situation. In Matthew chapter 7, when he makes that statement, judge not that you be not judged, he's talking about what? He's talking about hypocrisy there. The thing that Peter's guilty of. Don't be hypocritical in your judgment. In, in Matthew 7 verse 1 and 2. And then look at verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. What's Jesus doing there? He's, he's judging. He's telling us to make judgments. Right after he says, judge not that you be not judged. We have to make judgments as we go through life. So no, Paul didn't say, well, I'm not allowed to judge anybody. And another thing Paul didn't do, he didn't go gossip behind Peter's back. He didn't avoid Peter and run over at everybody else over here and say, hey, do you know what Peter's up to? Let me, let me tell you what I heard. That's not what he, that's not what he did either. And another thing Paul did not do is he didn't quit the Lord's church because he couldn't stand the hypocrisy. I've heard this. You've heard this. Well, I, I just can't go to church over there anymore. I, I just can't worship with them people. They're all just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, you know what? There, there's hypocrites in the workplace. Are we going to quit our job and stay home because we can't work with the hypocrites? There's hypocrites at school. Are, are, are we going to not go to school because there's hypocrites in the school? I mean, that, that's an argument that any other aspect of our life, we, we get it, but church, you know, just any, any little thing that, that upsets me a little bit, I'm just going to quit. I, I'm never going back to that place. Paul wasn't that way. Um, in John chapter 21, in John chapter 21, and when we read this, you're going to think, what in the world does this have to do with, with the lesson? But this is after the resurrection of Jesus. And, and Jesus is talking with Peter and John, and, and he tells Peter, some things about his future there in, in verses 18 and 19. How, how that when Peter gets older, they're going to bind his hands and they're going to lead him somewhere he doesn't want to go, signifying how he's going to, to die. And in verse 20, Peter turns and sees the disciple whom Jesus loved, who everybody assumes is John, following them. And, and Peter says... In verse 21, Lord, what about this man? What, what's going to happen to John? And Jesus' response is, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Peter, Peter wants to know, what, what's going to happen to John? And Jesus basically says, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what's going to happen to John. You follow me, Peter. We, I have to follow Jesus. You have to follow Jesus. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. It doesn't matter if a member of the church has mistreated me 
uh, you know, treated me unfairly, if they've offended me somehow, if they're being hypocritical in some way, that doesn't negate my obligation to serve the Lord. You follow me. So Paul, what does Paul do? Paul confronts Peter. I, I opposed him to his face. Why, why does Paul confront Peter about this face to face? Well, it's, it's not just to humiliate him. It's not because Paul gets some joy out of, out of belittling Simon Peter. And it's, it's not to elevate himself. It, uh, Paul's not in some kind of competition where he wants to be more popular than some other apostle. It's not out of any, any selfish motive. It, it, Paul tells us why he withstood him to the face. Because he stood condemned. Because he was to be blamed. Because, because hey, Cephas has an eternal soul. And Paul's concerned about that eternal soul just as much as the other people that he has preached to. Because that is the foremost thing that, that drives everything that Paul does is the saving of souls. Jesus' statement in Matthew 16 and verse 26, For what will it profit a man if he gain the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Paul understands the value of the eternal soul. And Paul sees that Peter's soul is in jeopardy and he wants to do something about that. You know, the scriptures teach us as Christians we have opportunity and we have responsibility to help to save the souls of others. James chapter 5 verse 19, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. I got a responsibility to, to keep you on the straight and narrow way, and you got a responsibility to keep me on the straight and narrow way. And, and if I get to wandering over here, you, you got to corral me back where I need to be. Responsibility of of love for one another. Uh, in Hebrews 10, verse 24, Hebrew writer says there that let us consider how to stir up one another, provoke one another to love and good works. Now one of the ways that the Hebrew writer indicates we can keep each other stirred up is verse 25, not forsaking, not neglecting to meet together, not forsaking the assembly as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. I have a responsibility as a disciple of Christ to encourage my brothers and sisters to, to support them, to put their needs ahead of my own. As Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 2, about having the mind of Christ. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. To the interest of others. 
Or as Paul writes there to the Galatians, when we get over to chapter 6, and he says in verse 1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I have an obligation to restore, to restore others. If others are overtaken in transgression, and you have that responsibility to me. And, and Paul tells them that, that when you go to this person that has transgressed to try and steer them back, you're not going to them with a holier-than-thou superiority complex. You're going to them with gentleness because, hey, I'm, I'm going to help them, but I might be the one one of these days that they're coming to correct me. And I, I have to be willing to accept that as well. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 24. Paul tells Timothy, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. That's, that's our goal. That's our goal is no souls captured by the devil. Jude uses the, the analogy of, of even... Uh, as he says, snatching them out of the fire. In verse 23, save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. If your neighbor's house is on fire in the middle of the night, you look out the window and you see flames coming out of the house, are you going to say, well, none of my business. I'll just leave them alone. I'll, I'll just go back to bed. No, you're going to go over there and you go bang on the door and you're going to yell and you're going to scream. You're going to try to get them out of the house. Why? Because their life's in danger. The eternal soul is worth so much more than the physical body. But it's hard for us to, to remember that from day to day because we, we don't see the soul. You know, it's invisible. But if, if we have that concern about saving somebody's flesh from the fire, then Jude's you know, telling us spiritually, we've we got to be building one another up, making one another stronger. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 12, uh, Paul talks about some of the, the gifts that the Lord left for the church, apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers. And, and what are these people here for? Well, they're to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Building up, building up the body. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11, Paul writes there, 
Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you're doing. We have an obligation to build up, to encourage, to, to restore. And that's why, Peter, that's why Paul confronted Peter. It's because he wanted to restore it. And he wanted to help all of those folks that were involved in that situation to understand the truth of the gospel. Paul, of course, formerly Saul of Tarsus, is the one that Ananias is sent to by, by God in Acts chapter 22, as Paul recounts it later in his life, and, and asks him, And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. We present to you the, the gospel, the invitation. We're going to sing the song that was selected. If you're here tonight and we can help you to become a, a disciple of Jesus according to the New Testament pattern, we'd be privileged and, and delighted to assist you with that. If you come at this time while we stand and sing.